Hello and welcome to The Mock Review with Ben and Drew. I'm Ben Garmo. And I'm Drew Evans. Well, Drew, the last time that we talked, we had been through the first two weeks of regionals, but you and I were still uh, waiting to head to D.C. for our regional. We've now obviously both been through that regional and both uh, moving forward to Orcs. So uh, now we're going to take the time to go through weeks three and four. Uh, now that we have all of those results and all uh, Orcs bids have been given out, both earned and open bids. You guys are uh, headed to Greenville on an open bid. And so how are you feeling? How's Haverford feeling now that the regional season is over? Well, I, I think I should answer those two things separately. Uh, at the moment, I'm feeling very sick. Uh, I woke up with a really aggressive cough, so I'm going to do my best to sound not sick uh, through the rest of this podcast, but forgive me if I, uh, I don't know, don't sound like my normal self. Uh, Haverford, on the other hand, I think is very, very pleased, um, as am I, frankly, uh, to have gotten an open bid. I think we talked a lot about it in the last episode about you know five win teams being kind of in this weird bubble where not all of them are necessarily going to get it. And I think that we are really, really glad that we were one of the teams that did. Uh, we got fortunate enough to have a high enough CS that we we uh, moved out of the open bid list and onto the earned bid list. Um, I think we obviously would have rather gotten a bid straight out, but uh, you know, we are heading on to Greenville and looking forward to it. Uh, so we will see how we do there. Ben, on the other hand, you guys did a little bit better and got that straight bid straight through so you guys are heading to lancaster how are you feeling how's how's umbc doing and congratulations you guys got your c team through as well that's got to be exciting for the program yeah we'll, we'll we'll break it down a little bit when we get to owings mills but you know the thing about orcs is that it exists and like <laughs> you know it, it it like am i excited to be going of course i'm excited to be going right it's it's always exciting to move on past regionals but you know it's hard to get like I'm excited and I'm nervous and I'm apprehensive and, and, you know, mostly just kind of ready to get it over with, you know, like no matter what happens, we'll be in Lancaster and, you know, we're recording this on Friday night. So, I mean, a week from today we'll be in Lancaster and we'll get there on Thursday. So less than a week from now we leave for orcs and it's an intense turnaround, but uh, obviously we're very excited to be there and looking forward, obviously Grant Keener who hosted nationals last year uh, is hosting orcs this year, like he usually did except for the nationals year. And uh, it's going to do a fantastic job. So I'm really excited. You know, it's a bummer that we're not going to the same orcs. It would be more fun. But either way, it's great that both of our teams are moving on. No, absolutely. I think that, you know, at the end of the day, the purpose of regionals ideally is to get through. Uh, As you said, we're both very fortunate that we did. Um, I am particularly disappointed that we actually are going to Greenville and that that's a weekend that I will be traveling uh, already and can't make it to Orc, so I will not be there. But my spirit, my soul, my heart is with the Haverford team that will be going. <laughs> and I'm sure they're going to do a great, great job there, as I'm sure UMBC will be doing a fantastic job at Lancaster. To be frank with you, I'm probably pretty glad that we got out of Lancaster, but I don't know that Greenville is a whole lot better. But we'll talk about the Orcs later. Uh, we will dedicate plenty of time to it, I'm sure. Um, for now... Let's get into all of these regionals. We have a lot to cover. Um, And the first ones that we want to talk about are actually uh, back from week two. Uh, There are two West Coast regionals we didn't end up talking about. Uh, So we're going to begin this long trek through regionals reviews with San Diego. Uh, San Diego had just five bids, uh, beginning with UC Irvine A with eight wins, then Arizona State A with six wins, and notably a 25 
CS, which we'll talk about in a second, but that is just remarkable <laughs> to think about. Following Arizona State, though, we had University of Southern California, USCA, with six wins and an 18 CS, followed by UC Davis A with six wins and a 16 CS. And finally, we have UC Irvine C with six wins and a 12 and a half CS. Uh, so first of all, we, we have to talk about this 25 CS, six win Arizona State team, just so people can understand this. What that means is that outside of the victories that Arizona State had, their teams were undefeated except for one ballot. Like that's they played a six and two, a six and two, an eight and zero, and a five and three. I I really like. I think it is just such a freak set of events to have that in place, but like. It just really goes to show Arizona State did not have an easy trek through regionals, and to come away with that with six wins is just incredibly impressive. I mean, I, I I don't have a ton else to say other than like that's amazing. Yeah, it's there. There's going to be a theme throughout this episode of teams dealing with high CSs, right? There, there's. I feel like we've seen a lot of weird outlier CSs, some super high and some super low. Uh, but to go six and two on a twenty five CS is just pretty damn impressive like there's just no other way to put it except like that's a hell of an accomplishment that team should be very proud of themselves there's a lot of teams who would go four and four with that record and be able to chalk it up to man like that's just tough you had a crazy schedule but for them to go six and two on that schedule it just shows the strength that that program has um the other thing that i noticed here uh another cs we had so pepperdine uh, went two and six, but went CS of 23. And it frequently happens in some of these tournaments. Uh, the worst thing that happened to them is they won their two ballots and they promptly get rewarded with Irvine C, USCC, and Irvine A, all three of which won uh, six ballots for the first two, eight ballots for the next one, and are all moving on to orcs. So you just, you never know with those schedules. Um, you know, the, the rest of these teams, I mean, Irvine doing well, USC, UC Davis, like these are teams that, we see through to orcs and to nationals on a regular basis. So there's nothing too shocking in there. You know, Irvine, a going eight, no, is nothing surprising. Uh, but these crazy outlier CSs, is uh, just show you already. These West coast regionals are brutal. And when you add on top of that, some of these teams having to go through these gauntlets, it just, it just makes things even crazier. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just, it, it's a common trend as Ben said, like we're, we're going to be talking about this a lot of just these, absurdly high cs's i don't want to talk too much about it now since we want to really get into when we talk about orcs but i am really curious to see how this new orc system plays a role into those cs's if we see you know maybe some lower maybe not necessarily lower but a more average cs's coming out i i I honestly can't say that i've ever seen so many high cs's again we, we will get through all of them but it started in San Diego, and I feel like we just have seen more ridiculously high CSs this year than we have in, in past years. I don't know what you think, Ben. Yeah, I, I think I noted it. You will note it several times as we keep going, but I, I think there's been some weird, like, I'm not exactly sure what it's responsible for. I don't know if it's the case. I don't know if it's increasing parity, which causes the middle of the bracket to get all gummed up. Sometimes just weird stuff happens, and you can't, like, you know, 
like teams end up dropping weird ballots and all of a sudden they play each other in the middle and CSs get jacked up. Like it's, it gets real strange real quick, but, but I, you're right. We, we will definitely spend some time probably on our next episode talking about this new orcs pairing system. Uh, but in the interest of time, let's move forward to our last uh, week two regional, which was the other one uh, on the West coast, whose results weren't out by the time we recorded the last time. And that's Seattle. Seattle was a six bid regional. Uh, we're going to start with Gonzaga, a seven and a half wins of 15 CS Oregon, a six and a half wins, 14 CS UC Berkeley, a six wins with an 18 CS Oregon D with six wins and a 17 CS Portland, a with six wins and a 13 CS and then Gonzaga B with five and a half wins and a 17 and a half CS narrowly edging out the first honorable mention, the university of Washington, a five and a half wins and a 16 CS. The main thing I would say I would note about this regional, Seattle is one of those very strange regionals where teams are allowed to have more than two teams uh, at their regional for geographic reasons. So this regional had four teams from University of Oregon, three from Portland, and three from Gonzaga. And in past years, we've seen, I think maybe like last year or the year before, Oregon got three teams out of one regional. It is good to see from this one, there's nobody with more than two teams. You had Gonzaga get two teams out uh, and Oregon get two teams out. Uh, but I think it's good to see that nobody got like three or four teams out because that just gets kind of weird when you have those conflicts with, you know, same schools not being able to play each other. But uh, other than that, I didn't notice a great deal here. You had, again, you know, Gonzaga, Berkeley, Oregon, Portland, like all good programs who all, you know, seem to do well on a regular basis and and did well at this regional. Yeah, I mean, I think that something we will I, – I'm hoping to touch on a little bit later. It's re- It's going to be really important, the fact that UC Berkeley made the, got their A team out but not their B. So their B team had just four and a half wins here. And as a result, because as we'll talk about later, Berkeley got their C and D team through elsewhere, it, it, it affected where – the bids that Berkeley got ended up going, which kind of threw a wrench into the whole orcs thing. But it's, it is really important to understand that, that because just Berkeley a is the only Berkeley that made it out of this region. And and obviously UC Berkeley is a absolute powerhouse on the West coast. Um, Again, along with UCLA, they're one of those programs where whether it's their A, their B, their C, or their D, you, you kind of always are expecting them to make it out. Um, so I will say that I was pretty surprised their B team didn't make it out of here. Um, but as you noted, Ben, you know, you've got this kind of weirdness with Oregon having four teams um, all from Oregon competing there. And that certainly sh- throws a bit of a wrench into the pairings process. But I actually don't think that it looked like the results were too absurd. I mean, I think that, uh, again, like I'm surprised that UC Berkeley B didn't make it through, but I think that it wasn't such a shocking result that I, I would chalk it up to anything like that. I think that the reality is just, this is kind of what you're dealing with here. I will say that university of Washington, I feel like has been really strong lately. And they, they, they again, they, they got, they they got an honorable mention at five and a half, and they will be at Oryx, but them not receiving a, a straight through bid um, was a tad bit surprising. Again, they're just they tend to be a pretty strong team for that region. Um, but other than that, I don't think that there was anything too too surprising to me. Um, 
if anything, just the fact that UC Berkeley only had six wins and and dropped a few ballots. You know, one of them was only by one, but you know, I kind of would have expected Berkeley to end up being on top. But other than that, nothing much too crazy. Yeah, the 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 only other thing I would take note of here before we move to week three, we don't spend very much time talking about Spirit of Amta on this podcast, but. I don't know what the folks at Reed College are doing, but whatever they're doing, they're doing it nicely because Reed College A got a perfect 30 ranks for Spirit of Amta, and the honorable mention was Reed College B with 29 ranks right on their heels. So, uh, you know, whatever Reed College is doing, props to them when it comes to treating their peers with respect because between their two teams, six rounds, nobody gave them, I mean, they got perfect tens except for one. Uh, and they both, I mean, their, their A team went four and four and had a pretty decent weekend. So, Good, good on them for having competitive success while also being, you know, very good to the people around them. Uh, absolutely. Well, we are going to move on now to week three. Uh, we'll begin week three in the Midwest with Dayton, Ohio. Uh, Dayton, Ohio had six bids, starting with Ohio State A with eight wins and a 17 CS, followed by Miami C with eight wins and a 16 CS. Then Case Western A with seven wins, Case Western B with six wins and an 18 and a half CS, Northwood B with six wins and a 17 CS, and Duquesne A with six wins and a 12 CS. Uh, I think that the the big surprise here was Penn State A. Um, Penn State A only had five wins and a 15 and a half CS, so they they did end up getting off the open bid list, but. Um, Penn State A was certainly one of those top teams in this uh, this region. They kind of got this, as we've noted a lot of times, they kind of had this really unfortunate matchup uh, where they drew Ohio State A and they dropped both of those. But and, and that was again sorry in the first round. Outside that, they they seemed pretty strong. They they split their final round uh, with Cincinnati. But uh, other than that, I think that this was for the most part, results that were to be expected. Of course, Ohio State A coming out on top uh, does not surprise many people. Um, and Miami C, you know, Miami is just one of those deep programs. Ohio State and Miami seem to kind of run this this uh, specific part of Ohio. I, you know, I don't think that any surprises to see the two of them. Um, and I will say, you know, Northwood finally getting that straight through bid. Uh, this was their B team, and, and that's great on them. Uh, they they end up having two teams competing at Orcs, and Northwood is another one of those really strong programs there. But I don't know. Other than that, Ben, anything else that I'm missing? I don't think so. I, I agree with you um, about Ohio State, and, and as we start to um, uh, track, so you know, the, we haven't talked about it yet, but the the first four names for Trial by Combat were released between the last time we talked and and this episode. Um, and one of them is uh, Matt Bessman from uh, Ohio State. Uh, and it was interesting. I, I think he and uh, Matty Driscoll probably just like play award swap slash award cancel each other out all the time. Um, and you saw Matty with 20 and Matt with 18. Uh, so no shock there for either one of those. Um, it is interesting to me that uh, Cincinnati C was the team here and they managed to split. Uh, that round four with Penn State A and keep them out of a direct bid. Now it was a um, uh, minus 12 plus two for Cincinnati. So it's like a fairly different, you know, who knows, you know, if maybe the, the minus 12 or the plus two is the closer one there. But it, but it's still interesting to see Cincinnati C 
managed to grab a ballot off of a uh, traditionally strong team in Penn State A. Because, uh, yeah, that round one, I mean, somebody's got to play Ohio State round one, uh, but it's kind of brutal for Penn State to walk out the door and, and grab that. Uh, but other than that, I think, you know, nothing too shocking here. I agree with you about Northwood, you know, the fact that they already had six wins, um, you know, and then, uh, you know, we, we kind of, we're so used to Miami, right? Like what Miami's so great, right? But still to see Miami C roll out here with eight wins, I mean, like that's not nothing, you know, that like for a C team to come out and, and be one CS point behind taking the top bid with an undefeated record, you know, <laughs> Miami, you know, had a quote unquote off down year last year and finished what's second in their division. And uh, they appear to be, you know, roaring and ready to go to, to try and, I don't know, you call it a title defense at this point. I'm mm-hmm. not really sure what we would call it, but uh, I thought that was interesting, but I think that was basically everything that stood out to me. Yeah. I think that the, the only other thing I, I want to mention real quick is just case Western. Uh, I think case Western getting two th- teams through is, is certainly very, very impressive for them. Um, I feel like case Western is one of those teams where they you know, sometimes seem at orc, sometimes not, um, but definitely getting two teams through in a, a, a pretty competitive uh, region like this definitely um, should be noted. And uh, Ben, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Matt Bestman and the rest of Ohio state. Um, you know, obviously with, with the trial by combat list coming out, you know, it, it is kind of this, this period we're starting to look more at individuals, but um, I definitely think that Ohio state is one of those programs where they, they are surprisingly deep. I mean, when you see that their their a team and their B team had so much success at nationals last year, you know, that they're going to be a deep team. Um, and I, I really, really like the Ohio state team. I, I know them very well. And I think that they're all really, really wonderful people, but Matt Bestman, I, I still remember um, facing him when I first went to nationals um, when we scrimmaged them and finding out that he was a sophomore and being like, what the hell? Like, this person could easily be a senior. Like, what's going on? Um, he, he's a great guy, and, and he's a great, fierce, fierce competitor. And I'm glad to see him in that trial by combat field. Uh, I think that it, it will – it'll be a very – I'm, I'm excited to see how the rest of the field ends up looking. But I think that this is a strong start to it with the four names that they've gotten through so far. Uh, Matt Bestman definitely deserves to be there, and Ohio State is definitely going to be a top contender this year. So good to see them, and, and obviously the eight wins is – not terribly surprising from them. Yeah, they're Ohio State's a force to be reckoned with this year. I mean, you, you like, I think when you start to look at Nationals contenders, right, you start to look for those A team benches that are anchored by like multiple really, really strong people. And when you have Matt, and then I think, you know, we can certainly say a equally strong, if not, you know, on some, some days stronger, probably, you know, they sure they go back and forth in, in Maddie Driscoll. Like that's a, that's a fearsome one, two punch, uh, you know, who, who's one and who's two, you know, who knows, but I, uh, I definitely, I, I wouldn't want to see them at all. And I certainly wouldn't want to see them in round one at regionals, like uh, Penn State had the misfortune of drawing. Uh, but moving on to our next one, uh, we're going to stay in the heartland and we're actually going to go to our founding city and we'll go to the great state of Iowa, to the city of Des Moines uh, for the regional there. AMTA, as uh, I think most of you, or at least some of you probably know, was originally uh, headquartered in Des Moines and the national championship was there for many years. Uh, so it's good that there's still a regional there. Uh, six bid regional. Uh, we start with uh, Washington University, St. Louis, uh, eight wins, 17 and a half CS. Uh, some teams, the University of Chicago, A, 8 wins, 12 CS. Luther College, A, 7 wins, 13 and a half CS. Uh, 
St. Louis University A, seven wins and a 12 and a half CS. Hamline A, six wins and a 20 CS. And Drake A with five wins and a 19 CS. Uh, two quick points on this regional. First of all, as we're continuing the trend of noticing uh, teams with trial by combat people, this was Chicago A led by uh, one Regina Campbell, who uh, I'm sure everyone out there will be shocked, uh, was in that first four uh, returning to trial by combat. Uh, Chicago A, of course, is a, another team that I think will right, be there right at the end. The only other thing I wanted to point out here uh, is sort of the uh, challenge of the open bid list this year. So the two honorable mentions at this Orcs were Grinnell with five wins and a 15 CS and Truman State with five wins and a 14 CS. That put Grinnell 24th on the open bid list and Truman State 29th on the open bid list. One CS point between the two of them. Grinnell, it got to them. They're headed to Cincinnati for Orcs. Truman State uh, was 29th. The list stopped at 27. Their season's over. Uh, and again, I, I'm not pointing that out to say necessarily that there's a problem with what's happening this year. Like, I, I mean, it has to cut off at some point, but that's, that's rough, you know, for like five wins and a 15 CS means you're going to orcs five wins and a 14 CS means, which means one team that you played dropped one more ballot than that other person who knows when, who knows for what reason. And that ends your season. So I saw that and I just thought sort of that illustrated the, uh, brutality, for lack of a better term, of the uh, bottom of the open bid list. Uh, but that's about everything that I noticed here. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad you brought it up, Ben. Obviously, we we will be talking a little more about some of these other teams that just narrowly got off the open bid list. Um, but it it is kind of weird to think that one ballot from a team that you faced could affect your own results so, so much. Um, and Again, we, we've talked about it before, but to me, I always have kind of felt like if you get five wins at regionals, that should be enough to move on to Oryx. And it's it's unfortunate this year that that is not the case. Um, as you said, the line has to be drawn somewhere. It just happened to get drawn in between uh, Grinnell and Truman State. But it, it definitely, you kind of look at it and you're like, wow, like, do I know that 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 team was was so much better that they deserved to go to to orcs just because someone they played did better i mean you can only beat the teams you face and it's it, it definitely is a little bit rough i also think that while uh you know obviously arizona state has kind of now set our new standard of what is a high cs i really think hamlin a getting six wins with a 20 cs that that's a pretty impressive record it's not easy to get six wins when you have such a high CS like that, uh, it normally means that you're playing teams that, that go practically undefeated aside from you. Their only losses were to the Washington, uh, the WashU and St. Louis team that went eight. No. Um, and, you know, I just wanted to give them a quick shout out of, you know, that is a certainly very impressively high CS uh, to go six and two on. Um, but other than that, I, I'm inclined to agree with you, Ben. I mean, Chicago getting out, yeah, not surprising. Um, it, it's one of those few programs where I'm almost surprised their D team didn't make it out, although I will say that their D team went 0-4 the first day, so it does not seem like they were nearly as competitive as it sounds like their A, B, and C teams were. Um, I'm sure they're still pretty good, just Chicago tends to turn out pretty strong mock trial teams, but um, it, it seems like that seemed like that was kind of the cutoff for them. Other than that, though, Results seem to make a lot of sense. Uh, I don't have a ton else. Yeah, I agree with you. I say we move to the next one. 
Great. Well, I will move on uh, to the south, to Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, in Jackson, there were six bids, starting with Vanderbilt A with seven wins and a 21 CS, then Georgia D with seven wins and a 16 CS, then Georgia Tech B with seven wins and a 15 CS, then Georgia Tech A with six and a half wins, then University of Mississippi with five and a half wins, and followed by UT Knoxville A with five wins and a 20 and a half CS. Uh, so first things first, Georgia Tech, four teams to make it to Oryx. Uh, certainly, certainly impressive. Um, I think that it, it it's always worth noting when a program is, is able to accomplish a feat, like getting four teams out of regionals. Um, I believe, Ben, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I believe Georgia Tech is the only program to have four teams make it through regionals. Um, I could be wrong about that, but I, I'm pretty sure I'm right. I think that there have been a couple other threes, but no one else got four. Um, either way, whether there is another one or not, Georgia Tech certainly excellent, amazing, awesome performance out of them to get that result. Um, their A and B teams are obviously a force to be reckoned with um, come Orcs time. But other than that, I think that Vanderbilt A certainly a very, very strong showing, as I just said. I mean, a six wins with a 20 CS is impressive. Certainly, seven wins with a 21 CS is even more impressive. Um, and I'll also just mention the fact that uh, University of Georgia D was the team that made it out. University of Georgia B was also at this regional, and they did not get the bid. It was the D team that received the bid, which... Uh, think is always a little bit surprising when you see a uh, a lower team get the bid but particularly from University of Georgia which is a a typically pretty strong program uh to see their D team be successful is not terribly surprising seeing their B team failing to have some success uh, I'd say is is almost more surprising um aside from that Ben uh anything else I think that's about everything. Uh, you know, I mean, the Georgia Tech thing, you've covered it already, but that's that's very, very impressive. I was down in uh, Orlando when their C&D teams got through and got to chat with, with Will Warhe a little bit about them, and, and he was very proud of those teams. And to see what they're building, you know, in sort of the post-Stebbins era is a, is a heck of an accomplishment. Uh, you know, I've, I've made this joke in some variation before, but I can't even imagine having four teams right like having three teams is hard enough so to have four teams and to make them all to such a caliber where they're getting through is a very 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 strong accomplishment uh but other than that i think that's about everything that uh stood out to me on this one so let's move to our next regional uh we're gonna go down to kansas we're gonna go to lawrence kansas this was a six bid regional and in order we've started with a couple of seven win teams we got minnesota a with seven wins and a 16 and a half cs Iowa B with seven wins and a 16 CS. Iowa A with seven wins and a 15 and a half CS. Then you had uh, University of Missouri A, Mizzou, six, six and a half wins. Then Creighton A at six wins. And finally, Cornell College A at five and a half wins and a 21.5 CS. Um, I didn't, as I was making my notes here, I didn't see a ton. Uh, so one of the honorable mentions that I think the only, only honorable mention at five or above was Kansas A uh, with five wins and a 15 and a half CS. They're usually a pretty solid team. And they did, in fact, 15 and a half was good enough to get an open bid. So they're headed to Cincinnati. Um, you know, I, we can, I, I almost deleted the college from Cornell, from Cornell College this year because I guess this year they're Cornell. 
since we don't have a <laughs> Cornell University. Uh, but it, I, I guess you could argue that maybe it was a little surprising to see them. They're the 57th ranked team in the country. They were at nationals last year, only get five and a half. But part of that was because they had a 21 and a half CS. And so for them to get five and a half, off of a 21 and a half CS is, is a pretty strong accomplishment for, for a traditionally good team uh, out of that region. Uh, but other than that, I mean, Iowa getting seven and seven isn't shocking. Minnesota getting seven isn't shocking. Uh, you know, Mizzou at six and a half. Uh, you know, a lot of these programs, it's so interesting in the Midwest because you like, you have teams like Chicago and Northwestern and Ohio state. And, and then like, you have a lot of heartland type programs that are kind of always jockeying for those, uh, you know, maybe nationals bids that don't go to Chicago or Northwestern or Ohio state or Iowa or whatever. Uh, and so it will be interesting to see which of these teams rise to the top. Uh, but I think that was about everything that I noticed about this regional. Yeah. I think that, uh, if you're university of Iowa B, you're certainly going to be holding that half CS point over your A team <laughs> over for a long time. Uh, but other than that, I, yeah, I kind of agree. I don't think that there's, uh, anything terribly surprising here, as you stated, Kansas, while they didn't make it, they did get a open bid, so they will be going to Oryx. Uh, and other than that, I think, Ben, for the most part, you covered it. So with that, uh, let's try to be as expeditious as possible here. We'll move on to New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, New Haven had six bids, starting with Columbia A with eight wins, then Boston College B with seven wins and a 14 CS. Then Columbia B with seven wins and a 13 CS, followed by Yale B with seven wins and a 12 CS. And finally, we move on from seven wins to Lafayette A with six wins. And then finally, Boston University C with five wins and a 17 and a half CS. Uh, I think that first thing to notice, you know, Yale C only had five wins. Um Again, it's pretty uncommon to ever be surprised that a C team doesn't make it through. Um, of course, if, if Yale, if this was a, an A team, 16 CS would have been enough that they would have gotten through. Uh, but Yale had already, Yale had their B team qualify. They will later have their A team qualify. So this C team didn't end up getting a bid. But um, I think to a certain extent, Yale is a program that we kind of expect to always um, produce three really strong teams. Um, I will say that considering all the sanctions and everything, the fact that they were even able to produce a C team this year that was able to get five wins is certainly impressive in itself. Um, so it's kind of impressive in some on one hand, you know, also, you know, we were almost expecting them to get through on the other hand. So you got a little bit of both. Uh, I will say that uh, MIT, we, we've talked about these high CSs. They had a 23 CS, which I think, most years where we don't have the absurdity that we've had this year, that would have been one of the highest, if not highest CSs uh, the entire year. Just absolutely brutal schedule um, where they just, they, they drew nothing but some of the top teams. And, you know, that is certainly unfortunate. Uh, 23 CS is very high. Um, but, other than that, I feel like this is pretty much the usual suspects. Yale, Columbia, Boston University, Boston College. You know, Lafayette's been showing us for the last couple of years that they clearly deserve to be at Oryx. Nothing terribly surprising there. I'm certainly glad to see that Lafayette got it out after a rough, rough first-round draw with Columbia. 
But other than that, I don't know if uh, anything else you got to add, Ben. Yeah, just a couple things. So the MIT thing, this is not the last time that we will be discussing an MIT team that got pretty jobbed with CSs. Uh, that's going to come up again with their A team in a little while. I apologize to any MIT folks out there who I'm giving like preemptive PTSD, <laughs> uh, but they had a pretty brutal regional season when it came to schedules but you look at the strength of what they're building at mit you know columbia goes a collective 15 and 1 and the only team of the eight columbia opponents the only team to take a ballot from them was mitc who got a ballot off of columbia b um and one of the things it starts with this regional um that uh, is sort of going to be a trend line that you're going to hear me bring up a couple times is that going three and one on day one at regionals is sometimes the worst possible thing mm-hmm. you can do because MIT goes three and one, including gets a ballot from Columbia. And what happens? Yale B, Lafayette A, they go, you know, they drop most of those ballots and their season, or at least they, they don't move on. So sometimes three and one can be where you really don't want to be. Uh, and then the other thing that I noticed here. Uh, there were only four outstanding or all region witnesses at this tournament and none at 16th. There were four. I, I was uh, just looking at the tab summary here a moment ago. Uh, you had um, 120 rank, 119 rank and 217 rank witness awards. And that was it. Um, that's weird. I don't really know <laughs> what else to say, except that's just weird. And there's a couple other regionals that, that we noted later on that, that do that. I don't know if that's just all the witnesses were amazing and they all knocked each other out. I don't know if that's all the witnesses were mediocre and they all knocked each other out with these teams. I have a reason to think it's maybe the former and not the latter, but you usually at least see, you know, when, when you get into rounds three and four at regionals, you tend to see some of those weaker teams who always win a couple of awards because you get like a team that's not as good as the teams that beat each other up in the in bracket, but it's better than all of the teams in the out bracket. And so they pick up a few ranks here and there on day one and then sweep the ranks on day two. And I think you saw that with the attorneys, but with the witnesses, it's very strange to only see, you know, I mean, it was literally only advancing teams is Boston University, uh, A and B, Columbia and MIT were the only teams that well, MIT didn't advance, but but in terms of teams we've been talking about, uh, and I, that was just strange to me. So I don't know if I have anything to say about it, except that it stood out to me in an odd way. No, absolutely. I think that whenever I, I remember when I first looked at the tab summary, I thought, did they send like the wrong copy? And there's some blank space there that is missing. Um, nothing has been updated yet, so I, I, I'm going with this is an accurate copy. Um, I I guess that the only thing I can guess is that there were either like that the, there must have been just way too many 16 rank witnesses, which, as you said, Ben, you know, either means there are way too many really good witnesses or just a lot of really, really mediocre witnesses. I We, we don't know. We're not going to try to speculate too, too much there. Um, but certainly uh, it looks a little bit odd on the tab summary when you see that. Uh, but uh, you saw the attorney awards looked a little bit more usual with a pretty fair distribution um, and a couple of 20 rank uh, attorneys at the top there. Uh, other than that, results wise, though, pretty standard. Yeah. And, and the way so I don't know this for sure, but at least when I've wrapped, the way I've been taught is if you don't get like you're supposed to give out a minimum of 10 unless there weren't 
10 people who qualified. And so in theory, at least the way I've been taught, if there were those four uh, 17 or above, and then there were 25 people at 16, you're just supposed to give all those people awards. And obviously most of them will have to get a handshake and an award mailed to them. So I, I don't know if something was different there or, or what, I'm not sure, but, but it was just a little, a little strange. Uh, but We've covered that one, so let's keep. Uh, we'll stay on the East Coast, and we'll move to our next Week Three regional, and that's New Rochelle, New York. This was a six-bid regional. We start with the folks at NYU with eight wins, then Boston University A with seven wins, NYU B with six and a half wins, Wellesley B with six wins and a sixteen CS, Tufts C with five and a half wins and a seventeen and a half CS, and then St. John's with five and a half wins and a sixteen CS narrowly, narrowly edging out the honorable mention here, which was Clark B with five and a half wins and a 15 CS. Uh, only things I really noticed here, uh, NYU perhaps a tiny bit motivated after how their season ended last year. Um, I know they had some difficulties with their program. And so, you know, I, I don't really ever, if, if you walk into a round against NYU and you take them lightly, well, you're, you're probably going to lose. Um, honestly, if you walk into a room with NYU A and you take them very seriously, there's still a good chance you're going to lose because um, they're NYU and, and they're, you know, they're always going to be good. Uh, but, uh, you know, so I noticed that, that their two teams got out comfortably. Uh, and then, you know, Clark and Wes Wellesley both uh, got their B teams through Wellesley on an earned bid, Clark on an open bid. Uh, so it was interesting to me that their two B teams were the ones that ended up grabbing the bids. Uh, and other than that, I mean, your top teams being NYU and Boston uh, doesn't shock me too much. Yeah, I think that, you know, Tufts getting their C team through certainly uh, very, very impressive for them to getting, uh, you know, a C team through is a, a student run, young, uh, small, small school program. Like that's just, I'm, I, I'm in awe of Tufts this year. I think that they're just doing some really crazy and amazing things over there. Uh, I also will uh, briefly mention, you know, we talk about it a lot, uh, Mike Gelfand, friend of the pod, Iona College. God, I, I feel like every year I see Iona go three and one or four and zero oh the first day, and then get just railed the second day. And of course, they they get a tie against Tufts and then a loss, and then they draw uh, Pace University in the final round, which they split, and they they lose it by one ballot on the other side to to keep them out of Orcs. And it's just like, oh, I don't know, Iona College just like. My heart breaks for them every year. I just want to see them move through. There's such a great group of kids, and Mike Gelfin is such a great guy. I just, I, I know they have the talent. I know they have the coaching to do it. And I just, I always feel like there's just one point away from getting there, and it's, it's heartbreaking to see. Uh, but other than that, as you said, Ben, you know, a lot of usual suspects here. Um, Nothing terribly surprising with the results. Uh, obviously, as you mentioned, Clark University um, getting narrowly beaten out. They they ended up getting a bid anyway, um, so they will be at at Orcs. Other than that, I think you're right. The NYU certainly showing off a little bit, but other than that, nothing terribly surprising. Yeah, I agree, and I very much echo the thoughts about Iona. Uh, that is to to you know lose by that one, the plus nine minus one in round four, which I think had that plus one flipped, uh, it wouldn't have been good enough for an earned bid because their CS would have dropped, but it would have given them easily an open bid of five and a half uh, or at five, they would have been right on the cusp if you turn that into a tie. So, you know, I Gelf does so much for this community. Uh, and I just, I really hope soon 
you know, we, we hit them at Orc several years ago and, and they, you know, have had teams that have belonged there uh, and just, you know, you get up north in that area and it's so hard to get through. So keep fighting there, Iona. You'll get through one of these years again. And uh, I agree with you. And I think we can move on to uh, Providence. Awesome. Well, on to Providence we go. Uh, Providence, Rhode Island had six bids, starting with UMass Amherst with eight wins, followed by Harvard A with seven wins. Then UMass Amherst B with six wins and a 16 CS. Then Colby College B with six wins and a 12 and a half CS. Then Brown A with five wins and a 22 CS. And finally, Brandeis A with five wins and a 20 and a half CS. Um, certainly, uh, just right off the bat, the fact that we had two teams with five wins um, getting direct bids uh, seems surprising at start at the start. But when you hear those CSs, you understand why this was a very competitive uh, region that had some teams with very tough schedules that managed to get out anyway. Um, obviously, Brown University, a very, very strong program, and 5-3 and three with a 22 CS is a rough, rough schedule that they managed to escape. Um, Harvard getting through, you know, this was not terribly surprising. Their B team went 4-4 four and four with a 22.5 CS, Definitely a, a tough, tough schedule and an unfortunate result for them. Um, I think Harvard, you know, Harvard normally fields two teams, but we normally tend to see those two teams being pretty strong. Um, so unfortunate for their B team. But UMass Amherst was, to me, the, the big one that is showing up. I mean, getting up in, two teams through with 8-0 and 6-2, and two, very, very strong performances. And UMass Amherst has had pretty strong performances through the invitational seasons as well. They they are certainly looking like they are a, a team to be feared in the Northeast, which already has plenty of teams to fear already. Um, but right. definitely very, very strong for them. And then, of course, Ben, you alluded to it earlier. We had to mention MITA with a 4-4 four and four record and a 25 CS. I feel like a 25 CS, I don't think I had heard of a CS that high until this year. And the fact that you have Arizona State that had six wins with the 25 CS, MIT with four wins and a 25 CS. And as we'll talk about later, there is a team that beat even both of them. It, I can't figure out why we have such high CSs this year. It really comes down to just dumb luck or dumb uh, bad luck. But man, I mean, 25 CS, like at a certain point, do we turn that into an extra win? Like that is just ridiculous. Yeah. And I, my best, as we've been talking and we, I'm thinking about it, like, I don't know this for sure, but when you get the volatility of regionals and you combine that with the fact that we have so many less bids this year, that most regionals have a maximum of six bids, those up, those like high brackets, the, the in bracket, they get smaller. And when they get smaller, you don't get those six and O versus two and four rounds as much. You get, you know, five and one versus four and two. And like, it just gets, it crunches up more. And if you have any sort of weird side balance after round three, it's just, it gets real crazy. So I think like it's easier for weird stuff to happen, but yeah, MIT man, like, and you just, there's just some crazy stuff on here. They drop, you know, 
uh, two ballots to Amherst. They had a split with Dartmouth, a plus 17 minus 12, which is pretty polarizing. And then uh, they take the only ballot off of Harvard a that they lost. Um, it, it would be really nice if I could sit here and say that only one MIT team got kind of screwed this way, but MIT a and MIT C were, were the ones that were threatening for bids and, and, like MIT season is over and, and that's just, you know, for a program that's had a lot of success lately and has been building up and, and doing a lot of good things. That sucks, man. That like, I feel for those kids because like, you know, I, I just a 25 CS is, is freaking nuts. Um, I agree with everything about Amherst, uh, you know, like you were saying earlier and what I kind of alluded to, like, Oh, you know, the Northeast, like what we definitely need up in the Northeast is another good team. <laughs> uh, you know, we don't have enough of those. So, um, I look forward to all of your mock trial confessions about that comment, <laughs> by the way. Uh, but, uh, no, it, you know, excellent, uh, regional with a lot of really great teams. And I just wish Harvard hadn't been moved to Lancaster cause they're really good. And their B team almost ended our season last year. So, uh, nothing besides that, that I think I noticed here. Yep, I think that I'm pretty much in agreement. And on the Harvard to Lancaster note, have a lot of feelings there, but you know, it is what it is. And hopefully it was for a good reason. But other than that, I think, Ben, we're good to move on to Tallahassee. Yeah, it is what it is as I open it up and open up another beer over here. <laughs> but uh, that's fine. Uh, no, and I, I kid, obviously, like we'll talk about Orcs balance later on, but Harvard's a great team. Uh, all right, so we're going to go down south to Tallahassee, go to the great state of Florida. This was a six-bid regional. We're going to start with the Tar Heels of North Carolina A with eight wins and a 12.5 CS. Their basketball team isn't so hot this year, so I'm glad to see the mock trial team picking up the slack. Uh, Georgia State A with seven wins. Then we had Georgia A with six wins and a 19 CS. Florida State B with six wins and a 13 CS. Georgia C with six wins and a 12 CS. And North Carolina B with five wins and a 16 CS. Uh, not a ton here uh, that I noticed. Uh, you know, a lot of good teams doing what good teams do. Uh, North Carolina is an interesting team uh, who's kind of broken through in recent years. Uh, they and, and South Carolina have both had very strong uh, performances, I think, back all the way to Charm City, to the tournament we hosted when uh, our high, high pairing in round four was uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, and they did some sort of split between the two of them, and then Patrick Henry managed to jump both of them. Uh, but, you know, the only other thing I think I noticed here, Spellman A, five wins and a 14 CS. They were the first team not offered an open bid. They were the 28th team on the open bid list, and there were ultimately 26 open bids, one declined, so 27 people who were offered. Uh, that's tough. You know, if anyone from Spellman listens to the podcast, keep your heads up. You guys are so close. Uh, and, uh, you know, Spellman's such a great school, such a storied tradition uh, with academics. Uh, you got to think that they'll be back and in contention again next year. Um, and then Florida B with an honorable mention. You know, you had uh, Florida with just traditionally a really, really great program. So it's interesting to me that their B team was not one of the teams that got an earned bid. They missed it out on 1.5 OCS uh, under North Carolina B. Uh, other than that, uh, didn't notice a whole lot else here. Yeah, I mean, just on the the note of Spellman and the the open bid list, uh, I gotta say, I feel like I remember three or four years ago there were a lot of teams that would decline their open bid, and you know for a variety of reasons. But I I just always feel like you all you'd always see the 
the number going down far below 27. Um, and being the, the 28th team and only 27 bids get offered obviously sucks. Like I, I, I mean, I feel for Spellman, as you said, Ben, like that just is brutal. Um, but I will say it, it, I'm pleased to see that only one team ended up declining their bid this year. It's good to see that, you know, everyone wants to move on. We're all, you know, people are, are doing this because they want to keep going and they're willing to travel and they're willing to make it work. Uh, a lot of teams, you know, they're going to have to scrape together funds to make it happen. But I think that's awesome to see that, that there's such a buy-in from everyone. Um, you know, I don't really know the the reasons or why Dartmouth ended up declining their bid, but um, you know, certainly I'm sure Central Florida is very pleased with it, and Spellman wishes that someone else could have done uh, d- declined their bid as well. But as you said, Ben Spellman, I'm sure is going to come back next year and, and prove to us that, that they should have gotten that bid straight through anyway. Other than that, though, I I think you're kind of right. I, I don't think there's a ton else that I would add. Um, I think definitely Georgia State. I'll just uh, mentioned them. Uh, I Georgia State was that team where they made it to nationals two years ago and then failed to make it last year uh, to even to Oryx. And then this year they are reemerging as as a, a a top team in in the South and showing off that they're going to be a contender at Greenville and and hopefully journey back to nationals. So uh, definitely good to see them back into the fold. Um, other than that, though, I agree. This is kind of all the usual suspects: Georgia, Florida State, North Carolina. It's about what we were expecting. Yep, I agree. I think we can uh, move out back out west to Arizona. All right. Uh, to get out to Tempe, Arizona, we had just five bids, um, starting with a school called UCLA B. Um, they had six wins and a 19.5 CS. Then another school called UCLA, uh, their C team had six wins and a 17 CS. Then Fresno State A with six wins and a 15.5 CS. Arizona State D followed with a five and a half win 15 CS and then UC San Diego A with five and a half wins and an 11 and a half CS. Uh, just to start out, I think that the fact that the teams that were allocated bids were all within a half win of each other is mm-hmm. pretty remarkable. I mean, the fact that our top team there was only six wins and our the the last team out was at five and a half. It, clearly seemed to be a pretty balanced regional, at least in that regard at the top. Um, and the fact that the first two out were UCLA, I mean, this is UCLA. This is what we were pretty much all expecting. Um, not too, too crazy there. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that it's kind of interesting that we didn't have any seven or eight win teams there. And uh, that there was such a tight, tight group around six wins in order to get out. Yeah. I, I think here you saw a lot of, you know, teams that do good things, doing good things. Uh, Arizona, Arizona D uh, getting out at five and a half. Always impressive, like we've said before, to see a D team uh, get through. And then it was a little surprising to see Arizona State B with only five wins. But again, they had a 19 and a half CS. And at a regional like this one, that's just not shocking to see a team with, with that high of a CS because you had these teams all sort of, within a couple points of each other. Uh, so yeah, I think, I mean like yeah, UCLA, you know, the second 
uh, most well-known uh, school with a four-letter acronym that starts with you. Um, uh, I am You're going to go with that uh, one? All right, buddy. Thoroughly, fa- thoroughly <laughs> facetious, of course. Uh, and I can already hear the letters clanging in, in the mailbox. But You, you mean uh, UNLV, right? UNLV is the most Yeah, that's exactly. You, that's a, <laughs> damn, you, you got to the joke right before I got there. Um, but uh, no, obviously UCLA is UCLA. And, and I think... Some people interpreted when we noted the fact that their A team didn't go like ten and zero at an eight ballot regional the last time or something, and maybe we were saying UCLA is down. Um, obviously, that's not what we're saying. That would be a really stupid thing of us to say. Uh, but this continues to prove that if we had said that, it would have been a very dumb thing for us <laughs> to say. Uh, but that's I think that's about everything that I noticed here. Anything else on your end? Nope. I, I think that we've mostly covered at this point. I think it is time. Uh, to go to the the site that both you and I were at, the wonderful Washington, D.C. I agree. So that was the uh, D.C. Regional hosted by the fine folks uh, at American University. Mike Romano, their head coach, and Lauren Campbell, their tournament director, did a stellar job, as I'm sure we were all expecting and were not surprised by. This was a six-bid regional, and we had in order the Scarlet Knights of Rutgers with eight wins uh, in a 12 CS, I believe. This is the second year in a row that Rutgers has gone 8-0 at regionals, so whatever they're putting in the water over there is working. Uh, you had SUNY Binghamton with seven wins and a 12.5 CS. UMBCA with seven wins and a 12 CS. American B with six and a half wins and an 18.5 CS. LaSalle A with six and a half wins and a 16.5 CS. And then Lehigh A with five wins and an 18 CS, followed up just a little bit behind with the first honorable mention, uh, Haverford A with five wins and a 15 and a half CS. Uh, I am only going to say one quick thing about this regional. Uh, so uh, Lehigh A, uh, five wins, 18 CS, this was their first bid ever. Uh, and, you know, American University, the, the uh, building that they hold their regional at was actually the building that they used to hold their invitational at. And that was the first regional, first invitational that we ever went to, the uh, Wonk Trial Invitational hosted by American back in 2011. Uh, so it was really cool for me. We've gone there for scrimmages here and there, but it was kind of, it kind of like felt like a full circle moment to take my A team there. Uh, and Lehigh uh, is a team, I think, that, that's been working really hard over the last couple of years and, and has been improving. And I will never not be a sucker for teams getting their first ever bid, right? Like it's been five years for us now. It's our sixth year in a row. And like, it doesn't matter. We've talked about it before, but like, man, I love watching teams get their first bid. And just like, especially when you get the drama of them being the last team called, right? Like, that's so great. Like that's the drama and the relief for them. I, we ran into a couple of their kids in in the parking lot a little bit later and they were just, you know, walking on the clouds. They were, they were so happy. And I got to chat with them for just a minute. So shout out to Lehigh. They weren't the only team that got their first bid, but, but obviously they were at our regional. So I got to see it in person and it's just so cool, right? It's just so cool. This activity can be so brutal and so hard. Sometimes, you know, you think about like the, the difficulty of defeat with how much we've talked about MIT and, and other schools that have been through stuff like that. But props to Lehigh for putting in the work, doing what they had to do to get out of a really tough regional. Uh, I think that's about everything uh, that I have here. Yeah, well, uh, I will add a couple things. I mean, first of all, uh, Ben and I were obviously at this regional, so we have a slightly more intimate take on it. Um, I will say that it, it was very well run, very smooth, and I really enjoyed it. And as you 
said many times, American does a really, really great job with this regional. Um, it was huge for American to get their B team through, uh, as as we'll later talk about. Their A team uh, did not make it through, so this was the bid that that American needed to move on. And American's obviously a very, very strong program and one that we would all expect to be at Orc. So it is very, very important that their B team picked up that uh, that bid. Um, I think just a couple of other teams that were a little bit surprising. Um, I think Seton Hall, uh, just as a program, they seem like they just got railed with their schedules. Um, combined between their A and B, they had a combined CS of 47. Their A team had a 23 CS. Their B team had a 24 CS. I just... I. I've never seen, you know, an A and a B team from a school get such difficult back-to-back schedules like that. It just is certainly very rough. Um, and the last thing I'll do is because I get to, you know, we spend a lot of time on this podcast and I'm going to use it for my own purposes. I am so, so proud of Haverford's B team. Um, Haverford is is obviously in a bit of a rebuilding phase. Um, we we are you know, working through, uh, you know, graduating a lot of, of seniors, both uh, at least from my year and, and the year before me. Um, and the B team that was competing there was comprised of all completely new to mock trial first years, and that's a couple sophomores that were new to it, along with one junior who was more experienced, but almost a completely brand new team. Um, and for them to go four and a half wins, I know that they were overjoyed with. They had a very, very rough invitational season. So I was thrilled to see them do so well and uh, to have been in such a, a competitive final round uh, with LaSalle that LaSalle obviously ended up taking and, and getting that bid. But I'm just very, very proud of them. And it was very just brightening for me to see that. Uh, obviously, Habbard A. Um, getting an open bid, I'm very pleased with. We obviously would have wished we'd gotten uh, a straight-through bid, but they faced some really rough uh, teams early on. SUNY Binghamton does a great job over there. Um, that was a tight, tight round that I, I happened to be watching and um, a, a well-deserved win um, for Binghamton, of course. And I mentioned Seton Hall, just a, a tough draw for them uh, and a, a rough first split where a uh, very, very competitive round. Other than that, though, I you know talked enough about Haverford. I think that it was a a, a strong uh, performance, obviously for UMBC and for Rutgers. You know they they showed why they were the top dogs in this regional. And I will say that SUNY Binghamton, you know, is is certainly showing that they are a, a strong team in this area. They're looking to have a strong showing at Lancaster. I'm sure after a, a five wins uh, at Orcs last year, I'm sure SUNY Binghamton is is looking forward to going back and hopefully making it to nationals. But other than that, I think that that's about it for Washington. We don't want to dwell too, too long on it. Um, of course, we could talk about it for much, much longer if we had the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think we should move forward. The only other thing that I'll note uh, is a little surprising to me not to see Fordham Rose Hill get either of their teams out there. A good program. They got two teams out of Owings Mills last year uh, and to not get either of their teams out this year. Uh, it's just a little surprising, you know, they're, 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 it's, they're such an interesting setup between them and Lincoln center and, you know, one campus, but two teams, whatever. But so that was just a little surprising to me to see. Uh, other than that, I think we've basically covered everything in DC. Well, before we do that, cause I wouldn't let Ben get away with it. Uh, as we mentioned, some other trial 
combat competitors before. Of course, this is where Sydney Gaskins was competing, one of our other trial by combat competitors. She did terribly and only got 19 ranks on each side of the case. Um, so she pretty much sucks at mock trial. Um, but obviously, that, that you know that's a great performance for her. I'm looking forward to seeing her continue to rack up the awards and do amazingly, I'm sure, at Trial by Combat, as I'm sure Ben is as well. But she deserves a shout-out. She's the only double-ranked attorney um, at this regional, and to get it on 19 ranks on both sides, is she's pretty good at this activity, I guess. Um, so with that, we will go ahead and move on to Williamsburg, Virginia. Uh, staying on the East Coast, Williamsburg, Virginia only had five bids, um, and they were a competitive five bids, starting with GWA with seven and a half wins, then Georgetown A with seven wins and a 17 CS, followed by Fordham Lincoln Center B with seven wins and a 14 CS, then Fordham Lincoln Center A with six wins and a 22.5 CS. And finally, rounding it out, was Georgetown B with six wins and a 14 CS. So just to start out, I mean, only five bids were given, and it was only to three programs. And it was to the three programs that I think pretty much everyone expected was going to absolutely dominate this field I will be honest when I say that I looked at this field from the start and I said, that is one field I have no desire to be in. It is a very, very competitive field, and to only be getting five bids out of it is just really, really rough. Um, just to, to, again, note some of these ridiculously high CSs, William and Mary, the host of this site, their, I believe it was their B team, had a 25 CS with three and a half wins. Again, it's just like 25 CS I had never heard of before this year. And we've just said it a lot so far. Um, again, Fort Lincoln Center A uh, going six and two with a 22 and a half CS. Fort Lincoln Center has been on a warpath this year. I do not have any desire to face Fordham this year. They ha just have seemed really, really strong, winning a bunch of invites. And again, 6-2 and two with the 22.5 CS means that they did not have an easy schedule um, to make it out of here. I, my belief is that they faced both Georgetown A and B, who both got bids, and they were the only losses that George, those Georgetown teams had. So uh, you know, certainly Georgetown and Fordham uh, both seemed like they were facing it off quite a bit, and it's good to see that all four of those teams managed to make it through. Um, other than that, though, Ben, uh, nothing else that terribly shocked me unless I'm missing something here. No, I think you pretty much covered it. It was interesting to me. I, I'm always I always like to look for like orcs previews, right? Like where our team when our team's hitting that we might see again in a consequential round. And that round three you had four and Lincoln Center, four and Georgetown A, four and Lincoln Center A, and four and Georgetown A. Two really strong Northeast powerhouses, both going to be in Lancaster. Ugh. Um, and uh, they hit in round three. And what happens? It's a three and a five split. Uh, so you had two teams that I, I think you could actually say run a fairly similar style. Um, neither one of them, I think, are super, super flashy or over the top, but they're both really technical, really smart. Um, that's one of the things, you know, we'll preview the Orcs next week. But one of the things for Lancaster that I'm not looking forward to is how smart 
so many of those teams there are teams like Lincoln Center, teams like Georgetown, teams like GW, uh, you know, which those three teams comprised all the teams getting out of here who just, you know, even if they're not the flashiest teams in the world, they run really intelligent uh, cases that are hard to sort of sit and poke holes in. So, yeah, I think you about covered it. Uh, I definitely was not upset to uh, not travel down to Williamsburg, (laughs) although I'm sure uh, the folks at William and Mary did an excellent job um, hosting that tournament. Uh, They do a great job hosting their invitational every year. So I think that about covers it. And amazingly, we have managed to work our way through week three, uh, but we still got quite a few more regionals to cover before we move on i want to again use uh my the the wonderful soapbox that we have been given here uh, i want to quickly shout out swarthmore college um i the, their current i should couch founder swarthmore college had a program for a while last year that that team kind of had fallen apart and was gone and uh, uh a young woman named scout hayashi who um was worked very well with me uh uh, we talked a lot about you know how to bring back that program, and I helped her a lot. And I, I'm really really pleased to see that Swarthmore managed to get an honorable mention out of Lanca- uh, out of uh, sorry this uh, Orcs in Williamsburg, and the fact that they were able to put together two teams. So I just wanted to congratulate Swarthmore. They're obviously Haverford's uh, fellow Trico school, and it's obviously great to see them um, having that type of success. Um, so I just wanted to give them a quick shout out of, I'm really proud of them. And Ben, I will now allow you, let's move on to week four. Wow. I cannot believe that we still have a full week left. (laughs) There's a few less in week four, but, but yes, we, we still have quite a few to go. So we will keep moving, keep churning through, try to get these knocked out. And week four, we're going to go, uh, deep in the heart of Texas to Arlington, Uh, This was a five-bid regional, and we start with uh, a team that I have heard is pretty decent, uh, and that would be the folks at Rhodes, specifically the A-team from Rhodes, six and a half wins. We hit uh, Rhodes' A-team at Great Chicago Fire. I thought they were terrible. I didn't think they had a chance (laughs) of getting through. Uh, Obviously, they were excellent and, and took two ballots from us, and deservedly so. So no shock there. Uh, then we had UT Dallas B, six wins and a 19 and a half CS. Alabama A, six wins and a 17 and a half CS. UT Austin C, six wins and a 14 CS. And then Trinity University A, six wins and a 13 CS. A um, couple things that I noticed here. Uh, UT Austin B had five and a half wins, so they should easily or did easily get off of the open bid list. Um Road C had kind of a strange weekend. You expect Road C, kind of like Chicago C, to be a team that you feel like should get through. They went 2-5-1, and one, and Alabama A gave them a pretty good drubbing in round four. Uh, I'm sure they're an excellent team, and sometimes you just hit judges that don't care for your style. It's, it's hard to say, but definitely surprising to see Road C um, have a little bit of a tough weekend. Uh, and then the only other thing I noticed, uh, we discussed before that Texas A&M, that their A and B weren't able to uh, do what they needed to do to get a bid. And, and Texas A&M A was at nationals last year. Um, unfortunately, Texas A&M did not end up getting an open bid and their C team wasn't able to grab a bid out of this regional either. And so Texas A&M is not going to be returning to orcs after a national season last year, which is surprising given how strong of a program they've built. Uh, but other than that, I mean, you know, UT Dallas is perennially strong. UT Austin is perennially strong. Those, you know, between Dallas, Austin, Chattanooga, uh, I know Chattanooga is Tennessee, but like, you know, Knoxville, like those Tennessee and Texas teams and all like it, you get them all confused and it's hard to keep them all straight, but they're all really, really great at what they do. Um, so 
yeah, I, I think that's about everything that uh, I noticed here. Uh, the only thing I'll just add, uh, just to talk a little bit more about Texas, uh, Austin specifically, uh, again, their A team was kind of a surprise to not make it out before um, at four and four, and they weren't even on the open bid list on the radar. And then uh, for Texas Austin to get their C team cleanly through and their B team high enough on the open bid list they were going to get through and still manage to get two teams through is certainly uh, very good for them. You know, clearly that they are a, a strong program that that should be at work. So it's good to see that. And I just wanted to echo what you said. I, I think that Road C, uh, you know, I was stunned that they they dropped a ballot by as much as they did to Alabama. I think that. You know, credit needs to be given to Alabama. I, I, again, we talked a little bit about you know how different judges you know judge differently, but I just was very surprised to see a Rhodes team ever dropping two ballots by more than a combined fifty points. I mean, that just is very uncommon, and and makes me think that that either Alabama deserves some recognition for a very strong case that they've built. Or Rhodes C uh, seems like they may be struggling a little bit, which based on their record seems like could be the case, which definitely, as you said, Ben, is surprising. But that being said, obviously Rhodes A getting the the job done uh, as they always seem to do. Uh, So with that, uh, if we don't have anything else to add, we will move on to Chapel Hill. So Chapel Hill, North Carolina had six bids, starting with Furman A with eight wins then Richmond B with six and a half wins, then Duke B with six wins and a 20 CS, followed by Florida D with six wins and a 14 CS, followed by Emory B with six wins and an 11 and a half CS, and finally GWB with five wins and a 21 CS. Uh, I think that the big alarming result here, I think the, the highest ranked team to not get a straight through bid Emory A. Emory A managed to not get a, a straight through bid. They got swept by GWB, which is a, a tremendous result, um, and also swept by Furman. Uh, you know, I am still trying to figure out what happened there. I mean, obviously, Emory B managed to make it through, so Emory will still be sending a team, um, whether it is their true A or not, uh, we're not quite sure yet, but uh, we'll be sending someone to Orcs. Um, But, I mean, this is one of the top teams at Nationals for the last couple of years. Uh, Look, they they had a CS of 24. Uh, They obviously had an absolutely brutal schedule, but both of those round three and four rounds, they dropped a ballot by just one, and then a second ballot by more than 10. So, Definitely some question marks there. Still trying to figure out exactly what happened, but a obviously very impressive for George Washington uh, B to, to sorry C to sweep Emory A and uh, certainly for for Furman as well um, to go eight no and to to have gotten those final two ballots from Emory. Um, outside of that, though, I think that this is pretty much what we were expecting from this region. Um, Furman, I think, having a, a nice comeback. Uh, you know, very, very solid showing, as I just mentioned. Uh, other than that, though, I think this is pretty much what, as I said, what we were expecting. Yeah, and it was GW's B team that was the team that took the two off of um, 
Emery A in that in that round. And, and again, continuing the trend of what I've been saying a couple times, Emery A gets punished for going three and one, right? They go three and one on day one and then just get a really, really tough schedule on day two with a strong GWB team. And then, you know, Furman A who went eight and zero. Um, yeah, and Furman A went a convincing eight and zero with a plus one hundred and eighty six point differential that mostly came from a round one uh, drubbing of Coastal Carolina. Uh, but you had a number of B teams from strong programs here, right? Richmond B. Richmond is a perennially strong program in the South. Duke B. We've heard that Duke's pretty good. Uh, Florida D. You know, Florida is is a strong program for them to get their D team through is not shocking, but still remarkable. Emory B. We've talked about GWB. So like as after Furman, you just had a list of B and, and, and Florida D uh, teams that just come from good programs and are making those, you know, B, C and D groups at Orcs, you know, even more difficult than they're already going to be uh, like GWB, for example, uh, takes two, uh, you know, from uh, Emory and GWB moved up to Lancaster uh, and will be there along with their excellent A team. Uh, but other than that, I think that's about it. You had four honorable mention teams with five wins here, which was interesting and shows you that aside from Furman, there was a lot of, you know, beaten up of teams in the middle. Uh, North Carolina D, we talked about how North Carolina's had a strong year. Their D team got five wins and a 16 and a half CS, which would have been good enough for an open bid if they needed one, which they didn't. Uh, so yeah, a, a lot of good teams who had a lot of success here. The Emory A thing is is the big surprise. Yep, I, I think you just about covered it. I agree that the uh, I, I I do think you you mentioned this Furman, uh, but a 186 point differential. They are showing that they belong at Orcs without a shadow of a doubt. But other than that, yeah, I think you can go ahead and move on. All right, so we are going to go back up north to Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts. This was a six bid regional. We're going to start with Brown University B with eight wins. They had a 17 CS. Then Boston College D. Seven wins in an 18 CS. Boston College A, seven wins in a 14 and a half CS. UMass Amherst C, seven wins in a 13 and a half CS. Princeton A, six wins in a 16 and a half CS. And then Yale A, six, win, six wins and a 16 CS. Uh, I think the things that are obvious here are pretty obvious. Uh, Yale A went six and two because they dropped two ballots to the undefeated Brown B team. Uh, you just sanctions or no sanctions. You just don't expect to see Yale a dropping ballots to another team's B team, even a greatest as greatest program as Brown. Um, but Yale, uh, Yale and regionals, Yale a and regionals have not really agreed with each other a ton over the last two years. Um, but you know, that's certainly surprising. Uh, UMass Amherst C team, seven wins. I mean, I think that's just as uh, strong as their a and B having the showings they did. So again, clearly whatever they're doing up there is working. Uh, and then this regional, one of the things I noticed, this was a really even regional. We've been talking a lot about like crazy high CSs. We're going to get to a couple of crazy low CSs, uh, but there was no CS at this regional above 19 and a half. So no 20 or above CSs. And there was only one CS under 10 at this regional. So it seems like the pairing system can sometimes do weird things, but here it seems like it pretty much operated the way that it's supposed to, and didn't you, you didn't have a ton of outliers. Yeah, I, I think that, as you mentioned, I think that that, that CS, you know, it, it just shows how little you can predict about this stuff, that some regions are getting these 25, 23, 24 CSs, and then here we don't have anything in the 20s. Um, I agree with you, what you mentioned about Yale A dropping to Brown B. 
Um, I, I think that I am definitely intrigued to see how Yale does at Oryx. I think that, you know, with the sanctions coming into play, this is not going to be the absolute strongest that Yale could possibly be. You know, we, we know that there are, are members of that team that if they were able to compete, they would be on Yale A. They, they were last year, um, and they're not able to compete right now. So, uh, you know, it's certainly uh, interesting to see that showing. Look, aside from the ballots they dropped to Brown, they annihilated everyone else. They, didn't, they won every other ballot they got by more than 10. But I think that I'm definitely, you know, kind of waiting to see how Yale does it at Oryx. I think that I'm, I'm tempering expectations so far, but I'm intrigued to see how they do. I, I kind of expect that they'll still make it to nationals just because they're Yale and they seem to figure it out. But, uh, you know, as you said, we, we, we just don't know yet. And certainly with enough uncertainty in the air, anything could happen. Uh, I will say, I think Boston College had a really strong showing here. I mean, to to get your, your D team uh, out is always very impressive. And they'd already gotten a team out, so they created an open bid here. Uh, but, you know, Boston College just showing some really strong program-wide consistency to have a D team uh, with seven wins as well as their A team with seven wins here. Uh, other than that, though, I, I really think Ben covered most of it. I don't think there was anything terribly, terribly surprising. Uh, so I think that we should be good uh, to move on to Colorado Springs. Colorado Springs had just five bids, starting with Colorado College A at seven wins and a 19.5 CS, followed by UC Boulder A with seven wins and a 17 CS, then Arizona B with seven wins and a 14.5 CS, then Santa Clara University A with six wins, and Denver A with five wins and a 21 CS narrowly, narrowly beating out Southern Mess's University B with five wins and a 20 and a half CS. Again, just a half CS point, the difference between those two teams, between an honorable mention and a straight bid through. And uh, luckily, Southern Methodist uh, ended up getting through off the open bid, obviously. Um, their A team managed not to get through, um, which is a bit surprising, but another team that just had one of those brutal, brutal schedules uh, with a 21 and a half for uh, SMU A. Um, other than that, though, I think this is, for the most part, what I was expecting. Um, Air Force has made it through a couple times in the last few years. They uh, ended up on the open bid list, and they made it out anyway. Uh, but other than that, I think that you know Colorado College has been very strong. UC Boulder is typically pretty strong, and Arizona obviously is the is the team to beat in this area. Um, the fact I will say the fact that their A team did not make it through certainly needs to be noted. But their B team picking up the slack, and as we already mentioned, their D team had made it through, so it doesn't make a huge difference in the grand scheme of orcs. But certainly, I'm sure Arizona will be reexamining what happened with their A team to not make it through. Uh, but other than that, Ben, if you got anything else? Yeah, the, I think the only other thing that I was going to note was Arizona. Um, you know, you always like when you see, I mean, Arizona A is the 31st ranked team in the country. They're excellent, excellent program. Uh, and you always like, you know, I, sometimes this stuff goes unsaid, uh, both in, you know, podcasts and stuff like that. But you're always like, OK, what happened there? Because, you know, Arizona A was a great team. 
right? And they dropped two to Air Force and they split with SMUB. Both results that I think, while both SMUB and Air Force are excellent, excellent teams, uh, you would expect, at least on paper, Arizona A to be better than those teams because Arizona A is a top 35 team in the country in terms of uh, TBR. And to see their B and their D team get out suggests that their A team was likely excellent as well. So you just, you got to think that they're going to be fine who knows, you know, what they'll do in terms of stacking or anything like that. But but I would be very surprised to see um, if this means any sort of downturn or anything like that. I, I don't think that's the case at all. Uh, but yeah, again, we after that one very even regional, we kind of um, return to some of the crazy CSs that have been the hallmark of a lot of the regionals this year. Uh, I think that about covers it. Drew, you think we missed anything? Mm-hmm. Nope. Sounds good to me. All right. Fantastic. We can head back to the Midwest and go to Columbus, Ohio. This was a six bid regional, and we're going to start with the University of Cincinnati, a seven wins and a 16 and a half CS Pittsburgh, a seven wins and 11 CS Ohio State C 6.5 wins and a 16 and a half CS right on their heels. Ohio State B six and a half wins a 16 CS. Then we had the Spartans of Michigan State B, six wins and a 14 CS. And then right behind them, Michigan State A with five wins and an 18 CS. Uh, A lot of good teams here in Michigan State, Ohio State, Pitt, Cincinnati, you know, teams that are doing what they do. Uh, One of the things that I did notice here, Cincinnati B, again, with the theme of going three and one, they're three and one after day one. And then draw a brutal schedule for a 24 and a half CS, but still manages to go four and four with a plus 35 point differential. Uh, So, you know, no good deed goes unpunished going three and one on day one uh, means that it didn't go well for Cincinnati B on day two, but obviously their A team was the top team out of this regional, which is not surprising. Ohio state continues to flex their muscles, show how much depth they've built. I think they proved that. Last year with the you know the results that they had in their respective divisions at nationals, but they continue to show that as well. And then Michigan State grabbing these two bids. I think they're uh, a, a good team out there that I don't think they're necessarily talked about quite as much as the Ohio States and Michigans of the world out there. But they've got two teams through just like uh, those teams do. And I'm sure it'll make those orcs uh, challenging as well. Uh, but I think that's about everything that I noticed here. Uh, yeah, I think that I agree for the most part, Ben. Uh, I don't, I'm not seeing a ton else here. I think that you covered most of it. And to be frank with everyone, in the interest of time to make this not a two-hour-long episode, I'm going to go ahead and move us along to Fresno, California, if that's all right with you, Ben. Sounds good to me. I think we, we basically hit what we needed to hit here. All right. Perfect. All right. So going back out to the West Coast in Fresno, California, we've got Stanford A with seven wins and a 14 CS, followed by California Berkeley D with seven wins and a 12 and a half CS, followed by California Polytechnic San Luis Obispo C with six wins and a 13 CS, followed by Cal Berkeley C with five and a half wins and a 16 and a half CS, followed by UC Berkeley, sorry, UC Davis B with five and a half wins and a 15 CS. And finally, another Cal Poly San Luis Obispo with their B team with five wins and a 19 CS. Um, Cal Poly getting two teams through. Definitely awesome for them. It's their B and their C teams. Um, Really, really awesome result for them. 
I think the fact that Irvine B and Stanford B both didn't make it out again, we we don't normally, we're not normally surprised by a B team not making it out, but when it's from Irvine and Stanford, I think we have a little bit of ground to stand on and be a little surprised at that. Um, But other than that, um, nothing terribly surprising. I will say that as I noted before, the Berkeley result here is really important because the fact that Cal Berkeley, both C and D, earned these bids means that California Berkeley, the two bids that they got here to uh, to the the Santa Monica, the the LA Orcs, are the bids that count. The the op- the bid to Geneva that Cal Berkeley A received became an open bid. Um, this obviously shakes up the power a little bit on between Santa Monica and Geneva um, and was definitely, you know, when you put an A and B team on the route to go to Geneva, the, at least we can assume the anticipated result was to send uh, Cal Berkeley out to Geneva. I'm sure that they are grateful that they don't have to make that uh, trek all the way out to Geneva, but it, uh, as we will talk about in a later episode, greatly, greatly affects the, absolute shit show, pardon my French, uh, that is the Santa Monica Orcs right now. Um, other than that, like I said, you know, happy for Cal Poly, um, Stanford A being the top dog there, you know, that's not terribly surprising. Um, you know, good for Cal Poly, honestly, for, for splitting that round with them. I think that that's, you know, Stanford A is, is pretty, pretty good at this activity at this point. Uh, and to, to split around with them for a B team from Cal Poly is certainly, certainly great, great result for them. And to get two teams through again is, is awesome. Other than that though, Ben, if you got anything else to add? Yeah, I'm always interested to see how teams do, uh, as like when they have really big names that, uh, sort of define them for maybe an era, right? We've talked a little bit about Georgia tech post Stevens or maybe, uh, you know, like maybe a little bit less than like NYU post uh, Nick Ramos and then Claudine Isaac, um, you know, and, and obviously with Stanford, you're now post Jack Siegenthaler. Uh, and another one that comes to mind is, is Rutgers post Mike Kleinman and, and just things like that. Uh, and not that I in any way expected Stanford to somehow not be elite without Jack, who's who's been and I, I don't like to ever declare the face of a program, especially when it's not my program, but someone, you know, he was at TBC and, and it was a fairly prominent competitor, but Stanford continues to roll right along with their, you know, taking the top bid out of a very, very difficult regional and having two award winners uh, <clears throat> on their A team as attorneys. Uh, so I noticed that, uh, you know, and like you said, the, the, the orcs out here, we, we moan and complain about the East Coast orcs a lot, but like I will take Lancaster all day long over any of these West Coast orcs that are just so many of these really great teams. Uh, Berkeley, we've talked a lot about, and uh, they're just really, really great. And their C&D teams obviously reflect the, the talent that they have. Same with, with Davis and Cal Poly. So I think you have such power out in some of these regionals that it's, it is an impressive thing, like you said, for Berkeley and Cal Poly to get two teams out of a really brutal, brutal uh, regional like this one shows uh, program strength. Uh, and I think that is a trend that we're going to continue to see with these West Coast regionals. Uh, and beyond that, I think we've about covered it. Anything else you think we missed? No, I think you mostly got it. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned Stanford, you know, proceeding on without too much of a problem without Jack. 
um, showing off their strength, as you mentioned. And, and yeah, I, I think that you're right to mention that Santa Monica Orcs is a place where I am very glad that that Habford did not get sh- uh, shifted into. Uh, and I think that uh, pretty much everyone can agree that it is just going to be the hardest Orcs this year. I, if anyone thinks there's a harder Orcs, like, you're, you're wrong. I'm sorry. It's just, it's awful. Um, it's the only one on the West Coast, and it's got every single top West Coast team. With that, I think we should be good to move on, though, Ben. Yeah, I, I will say, I bet the weather is going to be a little nicer than Lancaster, <laughs> and also there's probably more than like three, like three restaurants. I mean, but uh, you're assuming you know. that these mock trial kids are going to go outside while they're competing at Oryx. Like, come on now. Oh God, I don't. I <laughs> couldn't give less of a. You know what I'm talking about for me, man. I, the the kid the kids can have Chipotle, but like I I need a good bar at the end of the day uh, or at the middle of the day, depending on how it's going. <laughs> uh, uh, but all right, we've only got three left. We've been cruising on through, uh, so let's go to the great state of Kentucky, and we are going to go down to Louisville. Uh, we had a six bid regional here in Louisville, and we start with UPenn A seven wins and a seventeen CS. UT Chattanooga B, seven wins and a 12 CS. Uh, the good folks at Patrick Henry with their B team, seven wins and 11 CS. Then Patrick Henry A, six and a half wins. And then finally, the good folks at Washington and Lee, their A team had five wins and a 21.5 CS. And right behind them was Washington and Lee B with five wins and a 16 CS. Um, couple things to notice here. Uh, no honorable mentions above four and a half. Uh, and then UT Chattanooga A, a team that has been perennially strong recently, four and a half wins with a 22 CS. And their record after day one, you can all say it with me at this point, it's three and one. And round four, they're going in and they need those ballots to get through. And they go plus 11, minus one. And so they were incredibly close. Now, again, their B team got a bid, but still. Uh, and then another regional with uh, not very many qualifying witnesses. This one had a few more, only seven uh, witnesses who got awards, and none of them were at 16. Uh, they were all 17 or higher. So, again, I don't know what that means, right? It's like pointing out something, and I'm like, well, why am I pointing it out? It's it's just it's strange. It doesn't usually seem to work that way. Uh, but, I mean, look, Patrick Henry, you know, I think back in October when we did an episode, I said I thought they were going to be in contention. I still think that. I think they're going to be really, really great. Uh, Washington and Lee, we hit them at Orcs last year. They're an excellent, excellent program, uh, program that that I think tends to peak at the right time. And I definitely would see them being a contender. Uh, and then UPenn at the top, I think is interesting, right? They're, they're a team that, you know, they're, they're, they're well out of their comfort zone, right, down in, in Louisville. I, I don't know if their style... Uh, something that the folks in Kentucky see a lot, but uh, good for Penn to see them, you know, pulling seven wins and, and being the top team at this regional. I think that's all that I got. Yeah, I mean, I will say that 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 Penn team, um, it's actually the team my my brother is currently on. I'm obviously very proud of him and, and very pleased for for them to have that record. Uh, they Penn mock trial is a interesting, interesting beast. I think that they are obviously very happy with this result. They worked really, really hard for it. Um, and they, they ended up moving just, I think that uh, my understanding was the, the weekends didn't work out right for them. And they had people that couldn't compete last weekend, could compete this weekend. So they got moved and got told, well, you're going to have to travel all the way out to Louisville. Uh, but they, they made the trek and they obviously came away with the win. And I will say that on the, the note of the, the witnesses, um, there were only seven witness awards given, uh, and I will briefly give my brother this shout out. He had 15 ranks cause he had first on three and then 
couldn't manage to get ranked on the last one. Um, so you know, definitely close, but you know, 15 is simply not enough. Sorry, brother. Uh, but other than that, yeah, I think you, you kind of covered most of it, Ben. It's Patrick Henry's world, and they're all just living in it. But uh, Washington and Lee getting two teams through, good for them. Uh, I will just briefly say the fact that Xavier didn't make it through. They they faced Penn in that final round. I think Penn is a, a, a strong, strong team this year. They they really are going to be a team to be reckoned with in Cincinnati's orcs. And uh, to uh, have that rough final round draw between Penn and Xavier was certainly unfortunate for Xavier. Um, I know from speaking to my brother that he said it was a close round and he thought that Xavier deserved to be at orcs. So it is sad to see a team that uh, we've seen it nationals for the last couple of years, not be making it. Um, but there's always next year, I guess. Uh, anything else though, Ben? No, I think we got two more to go and I think we can head, uh, over to Owings Mills and, and knock out these last two. Let's get it done. All right. So Owings Mills, where someone who really doesn't like this activity very much hosts a regional, uh, starting with Tufts B, uh, with seven and a half wins and a 7.5 CS. We will talk about that, I'm sure. Uh, but following them, we have Wesleyan C with seven wins and a 13 CS. Uh, Tufts A with six wins and a 16 CS. Penn C with six wins and a 13 and a half CS. Then UMBC C with six wins and a seven and a half CS. Another one of those. And finally, Wesleyan B with five and a half wins and a 16 CS. Uh, interesting to note, there were a, a couple of five and a half win teams here that did not manage to get it. That were sorry, that got honorable mentions. Um, first, Rutgers B, uh, as well as William and Mary A. Um, both with five and a half wins and just not quite squeaking it out over Wesley and B. Both of them had 15 and a half CSs. Um, so certainly, certainly very, very close uh, along the end there. Um, but that five and a half uh, wins was going to be enough to get off the open bid list. So no harm, no foul there for both Rutgers and William and Mary. Uh, and the last honorable mention team there, University of Delaware, uh, with five wins and a CS of 15, did manage to get off the open bid list, and they will be competing at Orcs. Um, okay, obviously we need to talk about some of these seven and a half CSs. I guess with the highs come the lows, and we have two teams both getting a bid with seven and a half uh, with a seven and a half CS. The highs, as I said, come with the lows. So the high here, which I it, it has to be a record. I, I refuse to believe that anyone has had a higher CS than this. LaSalle C. They only had a record of one and seven, but they had a CS of 25 and a half. I mean, that is just ridiculous, folks. I, I mean, like, I thought 25 was the max. I mean, 25 and a half. It's just a half point, but my goodness, that is just a horrendous, horrendous schedule for LaSalle C. Uh, I'm glad that their A-team made it through earlier, as we mentioned, at D.C., but wow. What did they do to piss someone off to get that schedule? My God. <laughs> I, I, to be clear, I don't make the schedules. I just host. So <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Don't, don't write to me, LaSalle. Write, write to Diana David. Fair enough. Uh, well, anyway, as we mentioned, though, the, the, the lows there, uh, UMBC, C, uh, with the 7.5 CS, as well as, as Tufts B with the 7.5 CS. Or sorry, Tufts C. With the no, I apologize. That was B. Tufts B with seven and a half CS. Um, 
to a certain extent, guys, you can only you can only beat who you you play, and that's what they're doing. They just happen to not play teams that beat other teams. Um, ben, I'll I'll kind of throw this one over to you. This is where you were you were running the tournament, and and these are your teams that I'm talking about. So I don't know if you go ahead and share your thoughts on it. Yeah, I, I've been thinking a lot about about this, so I'll try to be relatively efficient in sharing a couple of things. So, uh, first of all. It is a weird position to be in, to be sitting here on the podcast talking about the results of this regional. Um, I am immensely, immensely proud of my C team. Um, they were pretty much, aside from one kid, you know, brand freaking new at this activity. Uh, and they were completely ballot blind and they were completely blindsided by their bid. And that is always fun. Um, it, I don't care how many years you do this to watch a team not expect to hear their name called and get their name called uh, was was a really cool moment, right? But I'm not going to sit here and pretend that a seven and a half CS isn't what it is, right? Like I, I know how this activity works and I know that a lot of people around the country clicked on that tab summary and were like, what in the ever living hell is that? Right. Uh, and I don't think there's, I don't think it takes away from anything that my C team or Tufts B team accomplished to look at that and go, that's really strange, right? And it's tough uh, f- to see that if you're another team. And and the the flip side of that coin, um, as I got to talk about the folks at Stevenson, um, you know, so we co-host our regional with Stevenson, and Melanie and Miranda, who are their coaches, are two really really good friends of mine. And I have been talking all day throughout this episode about that three and one curse. They pick up two ballots in round one, split with Tufts in round two. And then drop two hard ballots to Penn in round three. Uh, and then uh, their season's on the line. Delaware's season is on the line. And of course, in the power protect round, that's they hit each other in round four. They do a narrow split. Delaware grabs that open bid. Stevenson's season ends. Um, and the the coaches at Stevenson are you know, nice enough that they wouldn't ever say this to me, but I'm willing to bet that in their private conversations, they're probably basically like, this is, you know what, that we had, I think a 19 and a half CS and two teams got through with seven and a half CSs. I don't have a counterpoint for that. I think they're right. Like, I think, look, does it mean I'm declining the bid? No, of course not. But like, I think that when we've got at the same regional, a team going one and seven with a twenty and a five and a half CS, and a team going six and two or seven zero oh and one with a seven and a half CS. I, I don't know what happened. I, I really don't. I, I was in the room for all the pairings; they were all done correctly. Like, like it's just it's weird, it's bizarre, and you know, I I don't really know what else to make of it besides that. Um, the only other thing that I'll note here uh, is it was surprising not to see American A get through. We've hit them. They're very, very good. I think they might've just hit some, you know, judges who didn't agree with their style necessarily. But like, I, I, I think American A deserved to get out of this regional. I think they were one of the best six teams at this regional and they just hit a tough path. Uh, but obviously their B team got through the weekend before. So they'll be at orcs. Uh, other than that, I mean, Tufts got two. Wesleyan got two. Those are good programs. Nothing overly shocking. Second year in a row that Wesley and B and C have come to Owings Mills. 
and gotten out. So yeah, was I overjoyed for my C team? Absolutely. Was I also heartbroken for the folks at Stevenson who have done a ton of winning this year, right? Have just had a great year and put themselves on the map after a really strong orc showing last year to have their season end like that. It sucks, man. It really sucks. And I wish that it was different. And I wish that things had gone differently for them because I think they deserved it. I think they absolutely deserve to be at Orcs. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, you mentioned Stevenson. I, I've met a lot of the people at Stevenson. I've seen them go. And you're absolutely right. I, I think that it's it's really sad to not see them at Orcs. Um, I will briefly, briefly say that the the Penn team, the Penn C team that, that took those two ballots off them was a almost all freshman team that I know Penn was very surprised by the result. Um, so, you know, it, you kind of shrug your shoulders. Like, it, it's just you can only control so much, and it obviously sucks. But I think that everyone knows Stevenson is a, a rising power, a program to be reckoned with. And they have had such great invitational showings this year that everyone knows they, they are a strong, strong team. And even though their season has ended far, far too early, they are going to be back chomping at the bit next year, and they are going to be a team that you do not want to face at regionals. Um, one last thing I did want to mention about this regional, uh, Wesleyan. I know this is two years in a row. It could be three. I could be crazy and think it's three. But I, I think this is three years in a row in which Wesleyan University has gotten their A, B, and their C team through um, to Orcs. Um, I just like, I'm so impressed by that because again, like this is just another like small school getting it done. They're semi coached by some of their alums, but I mean, for the most part, these are, this is just a small liberal arts college, just putting in the work and getting the job done. They've got three teams and those three teams are damn good. I mean, that you mentioned American University, that Wesleyan C team managed to take two off of American University. And, you know, again, neither of us were there. We don't know what happened. I, you know, I, I would have expected American to to have been a little more successful in that in that round. But look, Wesleyan C is, is not a joke team. I mean, they are a solid, solid program. And their C team is not one to be trifled with. And I, I'm not terribly shocked that they – they did as well as they did. I mean, they just, they have figured it out over there. They've figured out the, the regional success recipe and they are making it happen year after year. So good on Wesleyan, good on Tufts for getting two teams through. You know, I've, I've talked enough about Tufts. It sucks to see this result for Stevenson and American. Um, but certainly Ben for your C team and for Penn's C team, it is always fun to see, you know, young first-year mockers having that early success. Hopefully it encourages them to keep on keeping on, keep doing this activity, keep up with it. Um, hopefully that this uh, success can encourage them to keep on going uh, and keep finding that success. And I'll, I'll just briefly mention before we move on, Stevenson, you know, you know that they're a team that people love and respect because they are the team that won Spamta here, um, even though they didn't make it out. You know, the fact they still won Spamta everyone loves them they're a great program and my heart breaks for them honestly 
Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Um, there were, there's just a, it's interesting when you host and there's so many teams that you like, you know, I was really glad to see Delaware get off the open bid list because I think they were hoping and, and maybe felt at times like their, their performance was a little bit better than the results that they got. And so like, I was really happy to see that their season will continue. They're a really, really excellent team. American is a team that we're very close with. And, you know, I wish that the results had been a little bit better for them based on the performance that, that I think they put forward. Uh, so it's always hard when you're hosting. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to say one last quick thing, and then we're going to move to this last one because obviously we've been going for a long time, which is I want to talk for just a second about being a host and particularly being, the you know, my role as a co-host is, is recruiting judges and, and assigning uh, judges and stuff like that. And I can tell you that it is one of the scariest things to do as a regionals host with so many teams who you know and like and care about because i can tell you i work incredibly incredibly hard to recruit a experienced and qualified judging pool and when they do dumb things or when they do results that people think are wrong uh it keeps me up at night Right. It's, and I'm not saying this to like be like sympathize with me or anything like that. In fact, quite the opposite. It's a responsibility that I take extremely seriously. Uh, but like we had an incident this past weekend where a judge who'd been judging for us for a while uh, said something pretty inappropriate and upsetting to a competitor. And I was, I could barely sleep that night because I know how important it is. I know on my end, when I'm at a tournament and a judge walks in who I think isn't qualified or is doing a bad job, how frustrating it is. And so like, I like, it is, it is a, it, it weighs on you to try and recruit judges and place judges in the right place so that, you know, everyone who's at the tournament gets a quality experience. You know, no judge, no tournament's going to have all perfect judges and you got to accept that as a host, you do the absolute best you can, but it is, you know, it's quite a burden to have so many teams that you care about and want to give them all great judging. And then when you feel like you fall short a little bit, it, it sucks and it's not a good feeling. So I hope that our regional was a success and that teams had a positive experience, but we're always going to be working to get better. Cause I think if, if you think that your judging pool is perfect, you've just stopped paying attention and you can't just sit there and accept the status quo. So that's my random tangent that I wanted to go on before our last regional. Well, no, you know, Ben, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. I mean, I think that, you know, I, I've never been a regional host, so I, I, I'm not going to try to relate to what exactly you're saying. But you know, as an invitational host, even, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, you obviously want to provide the best judging you possibly can. And what I will say on this topic is that, you know, while no one wants to keep Ben up at night more than I do, um, let's you know, if we can, as a collective kind of agree, you know, Hey, the only way to, to, I'm going to air quotes this fix the judging problem. Um, I'm really specifically talking about judges that say things that are damaging to people. When you say something that just doesn't belong, you make a comment about, you know, a woman, a person of color, Anything that just does not belong in this activity, I think like we have to bring that to those hosts and say, "Hey, get this guy, whoever, out of here, like we do not want this person judging anymore because I think that as much as it's obviously hard for a host to hear, you don't want to hear about those types of experiences. The only thing worse than not hearing that a judge gave a horrible experience. Um, and being able to fix it and be able to blacklist that judge is to, you know, 
while I'm not encouraging this, to read tons of mock trial confessions about how you know all these things happened and, and you don't even know who the judge is to get rid of them for next year. Um, so I would encourage everyone when you have a bad experience with the judge, let someone know. Let's try to continue to refine our judging pool to make it the best judging pool it can possibly be. And we need your help for that because, you know, no one can sit in on every round and listen to every judge and make sure every judge makes the right comments and says the right things and doesn't say anything wrong. And if everyone can come together and say, hey, we're, we're going to force judges to be accountable to that, then I think it will really put us in the right direction. Um, that being said, I also want to just note, like, let's try a little bit as a community. It It is frustrating when a judge has a result that you disagree with. Like, I've been there. Trust me. Like, I frankly disagree with some of the results that happened this past weekend. Um, many of the results, for that matter. That being said, like, the judge has made a decision. And... I think we need to remember that these judges are people that have volunteered their time to come and do this. We could not do this activity without them. Let's obviously encourage, you know, trying to get as experienced judges as possible. But oftentimes, like, you just have a disagreement of opinions. And, like, just because you disagree with a judge's opinion doesn't mean that they are a bad judge or need to be condemned. I am really specifically talking about like when judges make unfortunate comments or if they clearly display that they don't understand what's going on, you know, I swear I, I've had judges that have overruled hearsay because relevance is a low bar. And I've just said, okay, like you don't understand what that is. That's fine. And that's obviously not fun to hear, but you know, I'm talking about things like that, not, you know, I disagree with this. Like we should have won that. That's not what I'm talking about. Like let's try to make the judging pool, a judging pool that is, you know, as accurate as it can be, but also as safe and as productive as it can be. And hopefully if we do those things, we can make this activity slightly less painful for, for, you know, people that it is a difficult activity for. Yeah. I, and I'll echo uh, one main thing, which is that like, yes, please. If you have a problem with a judge, like in addition to like if you have to report a tab violation or something like that, setting that aside, like tell the host and hosts out there, like you need to listen if if people come and talk to you about that stuff because like it's the only way. Like I said, the judge who did something inappropriate this past weekend uh, has judged many, many, many rounds, and as far as I'm aware, has not had a complaint about them before. But one is enough, one was sufficient, and they said did something that was very inappropriate and upsetting. And they're never going to judge for us again. And that's because this team and this coach came and spoke to me about it. But we've got one more regional left to go. So let's finish this thing off uh, strong. We've been going for almost two hours now. So let's knock this last regional out so we can finish up this episode. Oh, okay. And we are going to... Let's do it. <laughs> we can let's do, do it. it. <laughs> All right. St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, this was a seven-bid regional one of the only seven bid regionals and we're going to start with minnesota b eight wins 18 and a half cs northwestern b eight wins 16 and a half cs illinois a eight wins and a 14 cs northwestern a six wins and a 19 and a half cs carlton college b six wins and an 18 cs university of st thomas minnesota a six wins and a 16 cs and then carlton college a five and a half wins 18 and a half cs Notables here, Northwestern A and B both getting through. 
not shocking. Minnesota B, in addition uh, to Minnesota's A team, who also had a very strong performance. Illinois A, also going undefeated. He had three undefeated teams here who all managed to avoid each other, uh, which is a little bit surprising. Uh, and then beyond that, I mean, Carleton College A got two teams through, which is impressive. Uh, so I think you saw a lot of the good teams who do good good things here. Illinois, Northwestern, Minnesota, you know, obviously were the teams at the top. And I don't think anyone's especially surprised about that. Yeah, I, I think that I, I will just note this is one of the biggest, if not the biggest regional that we had um, in past years. It, it would not this this particular size would not have been St. Paul normally is one of the larger regionals. But um, with the the shrinking of, of most regionals, this, I, I believe, was the largest um, and as it, it had seven bids accordingly. Uh, I think, Ben, you kind of mentioned it already. You know, we got these three teams at the top, all eight and no, pretty much dominated the field. Northwestern is just they're pretty damn good at this point. They have gotten two teams through the nationals pretty consistently. Their B team is, you know, a team that no, no A team even wants to hit. Um, so certainly they've been productive. Minnesota doing a really good job over there as well. This is about what I expected. I hate to to shortchange the wonderful people in that competed in this regional, but we're getting close to two hours, and I don't think there was anything terrifyingly outrageous that happened. So I think I'm good there. Yeah, I think we have gone through and covered a great deal of information in this episode. Uh, we always try to get as in depth as we can uh, on each of the regionals, but uh, there are a lot of them. There were 32 regionals this year, Goodness. and they were not spread out evenly. Uh, we probably should have done what we did last year and gone week by week, but it's hard to uh, find the times to record. So we uh, got to do it when we can. So, Drew, obviously, it's always fun to go through these with you. It's a fun time of year with all of these competitions. Absolutely. And good luck to UMBC at Lancaster. I'm sure that, as you just said, that UMBC is going to do just fine there. Um, but, yep, to everyone that is in that awful orcs prep mode and reading over that new witness affidavit, it seems like a lot of fun. Uh, I'm jealous of all of you that you get to be spending your time on this. Um, but we'll be back in your feed soon, and we're looking forward to it. Until then, this has been The Mock Review with Ben and Drew.